Welcome, welcome, welcome to 2021. It's not the ending, it's the beginning. Ground's moist and it rained last night. It smells of smoke and it smells so clean. The sun shines down like a friendly white light. Here we go again. This is the Films of the Year podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, guys. I'm walking through... I've walked half hour to get to some woods. And I've got to the most lovely woods. You can probably hear rain in the background. The trees here are huge. Like, I'm looking up and it's... My neck is all the way back to just about see the roof. The roof, the, 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 the tops of the trees... It's raining and I'm not getting wet. That's the kind of size of the trees we're dealing with. I'm going to stop walking in a minute. I'm going to find somewhere to sit and record because Brett Goldstein gets annoyed when I do the Films of the Year podcast and continue to walk because he finds the the breathiness, the heavy breathing to be uh, far too erotic. And he's a big believer in keeping film time and sexy time very much separate and rightfully so. A lot of you weren't sure if there was going to be a Films of the Year podcast this year because of this year. But there's been some amazing films out. Like This feels as strong a year as any for films. It's just a lot of them were consumed in different ways. I'll get into that later though because I've been... Um, yeah, I've had some different f- film experiences. What I want to say at the start, though, I'm sure I'll, f- I'll find a seat at some point. What I want to say at the start is make note. Make note of the films as you go along, because I don't post the films of the year list until a week or so after the podcast has dropped. And I always have people ask me online, but no, you can't find out online. You can hear them here. And then in a week or so, I'll post, I'll post it. Although I have prepared a little teaser image where I've got my films of the year, normal grid post. And I've pixelated everything. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot of fun. How beautiful is this soundscape, right? Just the rain coming down on trees. Um, yeah, I had to walk half an hour to get to the proper, proper deep part of the woods. I'm not in England, so I'm in real forest. Uh, And it's lovely. Um, I'm sure I've come this way before and there was a bench coming up. Um, I hope you've all had a lovely year Um, or had a a lovely festive period. You know, it's it's a unique one. Yeah. Everything has been been covered on that right everyone has covered what a weird year like people have mentioned that 2020 was unusual right that's come up in conversation oh, let's drop the the uh the podcast theme here and then i'll keep walking and find a nice bench to tell you my top 16 it's always 16 despite the mistake from my dad on the TV shows of the year. Um, it's 16 because that fits four sets of four in a inst- square Instagram image. Ten does not divide up well into a square. Interesting, right? Anyway, let's, dr- let's drop the theme tune. This is the films of the year. At last, we're here. Right, here we are. It's films of the year time. I couldn't find a seat, but what I could find is a log. So I've hopped myself on a log. How how adorable is that? How twee. You'll be able to hear the rain on my umbrella. Let me see if I move it away a bit. 
If I feel like I'm getting soaking wet. No, I don't feel like I am, you know. Let's leave it up anyway. I've got a camera. Not a camera, a phone to take into account. Right, yes, it's Films of the Year time. And it has been an amazing year, despite what people think. The reason I'm saying it's been an unusual one for me, viewing-wise, is I've split the year pre- and post-pandemic between Canada and the UK. So I did get a fair few cinema visits in both when the UK cinemas opened again. A lot of you will know I'm a daytime viewer. So I managed to go to literally empty screens and feel safe. Hope that doesn't anger anyone. Um, I wore a mask throughout. But in Canada, I also managed to do the same and they've handled the pandemic a lot, lot better. So it felt very safe. And I stole a big visor from set. So I've got a mask and a visor, a screen type visor. That's been lovely. Um, Let's jump straight in because the first film of the year or the first film on the list is one that I've talked about a fair bit on social media already. And normally, as you know, I hold off my what's going to be in my films of the year for a long while. But it's a film called Calm With Horses. And I saw it just before the pandemic hit. And it got its cinema release just as the cinemas were closing and that can be crippling for an independent film you know particularly debut it was nick it was nick uh, roland's debut feature and it's just mind-blowing and it was heartbreaking to see you've done all this you're building up to your cinema release and then bang it's not happening um you know what i'm gonna move over there and lean against a tree so that i can put my umbrella down but still be dry Um, Yeah, so that was heartbreaking to see and hear unfold because, as said, I I saw it in a preview screening in a cinema and it was straight away, I was like, that's going to be in my films of the year. And straight away, as you will have heard on the podcast, I got two of the leads, Cosmo Jarvis and Neve Algar, um, on the podcast. Previous guest, Barry Keoghan, I've probably got his name wrong there, Um, has also been on the podcast um, and he's in this. It's amazing. It's dark, it's moody, it's brooding. Cosmo's performance feels like one of those that is going to be referenced for a long time as a breakout performance when he's a superstar. Referencing, I mean, I was going to say, like Tom Hardy in Bronson, but I've spoken about this, this film to Tom Hardy, and he, he's, his exact things word was like that performance is just amazing. It's it's yeah, it's very good. Um, a lot of you will know I, I don't go into loads of detail on each film because number one, I feel you should watch, should watch films blind, um, and number two, I've got to get through sixteen, and we want to get this under an hour or around an hour. So next up was another independent film which i also got no i had to watch this one at home i got, got sent the screen a link and it's called baby teeth and it's amazing um the two leads eliza and toby oh there's a helicopter put in just mind-blowing performances again it's about a young girl who's terminally ill essentially oh shall i let that pass yeah, who's? it's about... Oh, go on. They're looking for me. It's about a very ill young girl. Um, and she becomes friends with a young man who's a drug addict, a drug dealer. I think he's pretty much... He's, yeah, he's homeless. He's a homeless guy. But b- both of the performances... I mean, they've got like... Ben Mendelsohn in there, who's one of my favourite... Like, I study every film he does because I think he's amazing. And he's there kind of just propping up these two amazing young performances. Um, Eliza does so well. Uh, I spoke about this. I had Shannon, the uh, director on the podcast. And the thing that hit me about the performance was um, that she plays someone who's so fragile and delicate but doesn't want to be there's a thing i was taught in 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 an acting class i did that um everyone all actors 
strive to cry on camera when in real life we all strive not to cry and that's what this performance was for me it was someone constantly holding back tears rather than steering into them you know the the ego of the actor wants to steer into them and go look what i can do but that's not 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 reality right in reality you kind of you're trying to fight it and hold it in and then if it pushes through you know it's all the more heartbreaking so yeah and toby as well i I was a big fan of him in the series of romper stomper i'd not seen him in anything before and he just jumped out he's got such an amazing look and uh, style um yeah so that's absolutely fantastic i recommend it highly calm with horses is currently on netflix in the uk i'm not sure about baby teeth where that is but next up is portrait of a lady on fire and this was one that i saw out here in 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 canada i had to walk 45 minutes to get to the cinema that had it on and it's amazing these themes will annoyingly come up again later but it's about it's a period piece about a woman kind of sent to assist or almost be the friend of or look after a wealthy woman and they fall in love and it's just so beautifully done the story is so beautifully told the again the reluctance is there the the societal the awareness of the societal frowning upon same-sex relationships in that kind of era and time is present throughout that was a horrible snort wasn't it a big sniff a snotty sniff you're welcome yeah but they play it so well and there's so many just beautiful delicate scenes i've said this before but with world cinema this film you know what i've not noted which countries any of these are from i think it's french i could be wrong and it's italian um but it's beautiful is what it is. And world cinema is so much better at taking its time and allowing things to unfold. And in a story of forbidden love, or more accurately as well at first, forbidden lust, forbidden passion, time is everything. You know, those lingering moments where you can't write it in a script they're just sharing a look and a moment but the intensity that's building um inside each of them and you're just getting a glimpse off through the shimmer in their eyes oh it's beautiful um and that was a really good one because i said i was away from home i was living opposite a cinema but it was a block a blockbuster type cinema all the big films and i enjoyed a lot of them in there I should mention at, at the end I'll do the, I'll go through the long list. I'm do, I'm doing this all in a, a mess, but it's early on New Year's Day as I always record. I'll do the long list, the ones that almost made it, and then I'll do the full list um, of films. In fact, I'm going to pause and do the long list now and let you know. So this is the films that a lot of you know. I make a list of every film I see in the year, and I put a star by the ones that I think might be the films of the year and then right at the end I go through and put two stars by the ones that make the 16s so these are the ones that had a star but didn't get two stars so Jojo Rabbit Just Mercy I really enjoyed The the Gentleman was so close to getting in I thought it was a real if you skip that I loved it it's a real return to form from Guy Ritchie or more not a return to form he's not lost form but a return to what Guy Ritchie does best Um, 1917 obviously tons of award nominations Um, Parasite was in there but that got disqualified because it was out in in 2019 so I disqualified that Queen and Slim I really enjoyed Peanut Butter Falcon another one that got got DQ'd because it was out in 2019 sorry we missed you loved it richard jewell loved it hamilton it only became available for me to watch this year so i slung it in there how to build a girl unhinged i watched in 4dx and that was genuinely in the in the top 16 right until the last couple of days of this year savage 
really good, um, I think, Australian or, or New Zealand film. I made this for you. Great independent film. Um, I'll try and post a link to that at some point. St. Maud, another um, amazing independent film. The Assistant, Mogul Mowgli from Riz, amazing. Hashtag Alive. Trial of the Chicago 7. Minoins. Now I'm going to come back to that at the end. Remind me to come back to that at the end. Archive was in there. Mank, Soul, the latest Pixar film. On the Rocks, on Apple TV, Bill Murray just being Bill Murray, it's wonderful. Um, and The Boys in the Band was another one that's on Netflix. I really wanted to put on here, but it just, it just got squeezed out. But give it a look. Let's get back to the main list, and then I'll talk about Minoins at the end. Or Mignon, I don't know how to say. Um, next up, so this is back to the films of the year. So what we've had is, <laughs> this is a mess, Calm with Horses, Baby Teeth, portrait of a lady on fire next up is palm springs now it's an amazon prime film i'm not sure if it's only on prime because i'm in north america but it's so good it's um i don't want to say too much about it it's essentially a rom-com that's got some unusual i guess sci-fi twists it's a it's the guy from um pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping, and um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Andy Samberg. It's him, and he's essentially a guy in a relationship attending a wedding. And I'm not going to say any more, because it's really... The, the less you know, the better. Particularly, I mean, you kind of find out what the setup is quite early, but there's some moments ahead of finding out what they're set up in that are far I think are far more enjoyable as you don't know what's going on but yeah really good film um really lovely it's got a good heart but it's also hilarious um and irreverent and silly yeah oh that's good that was one that again made it in late one that made it in earlier in the year host host you will probably have heard about it it's bloody amazing. It was made during the pandemic on Zoom. I think some of the best horrors attached to what the consensus fear is at the time. Jaws is a prime example. At that point, everyone was scared of sharks. Sharks were a big thing. It was sharks, quicksand, and getting your trousers caught in an escalator. That was the main the main things at that point and Jaws was the one that shone through they could have made a film called Jaws that was about getting your trousers caught in an escalator um but yeah Zoom is so has become so much in the public consciousness this year and not necessarily there's a fear attached I mean there is people are always I'm nervous every time I log on that something embarrassing is going to happen or something weird but equally the reason it's in the consciousness is because of a global pandemic. So whilst that isn't what the focus of the of the horror element is, I think there is a huge subconscious connection between Zoom and some slight level of discomfort and being on edge. Um, the story of Host is that they're having a seance over Zoom. And it's amazing. It all takes place on Zoom. And a few films have done similar in recent years, all taken place on a computer, searching, did a really good job. And there was a few others, there was a couple of other horrors that did a good job until I saw Host, because I think Host just blew them out the window. Host, it was it became available, it was a Shudder exclusive, I believe, and I honestly think that they should be awarded shares in Shudder, because the amount of people who took out a trial or whatever purely based on host was mind-blowing. And then the reaction from the horror community, from iconic horror film makers, was great. But yeah, it's really good fun. It's not that long. Almost didn't make the list because I think it comes in under an hour. But it's a tense hour, man. You're on the... Your heckles are up. Um throughout so yeah 
That was a great one. Um, another one. This is probably... No, there was one more. But this was one of the last to make it onto the list. I said things like Unhinged and Boys in the Band were on the list until very late. This came onto Netflix, I think, on December 24th, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. AK versus AK. It's amazing. Of my films of the year, you know, it's between Calm With Horses, this, maybe another one that I'm coming to next. But yeah, it's amazing. It's essentially, it's another one that I can't say too much about because it's best that you go in blind, but it's a mockumentary about one of Bollywood's biggest actors and one of Bollywood's biggest directors or one of India's biggest directors because I'm not so sure he's really done Bollywood films so it's kind of he's always been the cool kind of outsider but then equally kind of as as I discussed when Raul Raul Coley was on equally if you're not embracing that that side of your culture and heritage you can be an outcast in that world but yeah it's the real people and yeah it's kind of this this weird mockumentary but I don't remember a mockumentary being done this well since I guess you go with The Office or People Just Do Nothing or This Country, but it's very, very different from all of them as well. You would argue that The Office set the blueprint for People Just Do Nothing, This Country, shows like that. This tears up the blueprint. It, It makes its own blueprint. So there's comparisons, but it's incredibly different. Yeah, go and watch it. It's on Netflix. And turn off the dubbing. Man, I started it and didn't realise it was dubbed. I thought, oh, I expected this to be... You know, I knew it was a a Hindi film. Um, And I got ten minutes in and (laughs) for some reason it didn't click that it was dubbed. I thought, oh, it's just really weird audio. Turn the, the, the dubbing off. Turn the subtitles on. I promise you, you won't regret it. It's much better. It's a it's a huge part of the performance, man. If you think of acting, a lot of that is your voice and the way you deliver stuff. So the dubbing isn't it takes you out of the film. But that's just me. I don't want to hate on anyone. Next up is Possessor. Now I went into this not knowing a thing about it. So basically when the second UK lockdown loosened, I a show I'm doing I was doing before the first lockdown in Canada got greenlit. So I flew back out here. I had to quarantine for two weeks. The whole time I've been here, in fact, I've been essentially in lockdown. I've not socialised at all. On, on, on Christmas Day, a Zoom call. An hour-long Zoom call with my family was the only time I spoke. The only time I said anything out loud over Christmas Day and Boxing Day and several other days. Because, yeah, I I am taking this incredibly seriously. Thankfully, the production is taking this incredibly seriously. We're getting tested three times a week. And we're living in, in, in a relatively full lockdown despite Canada being in a better position than the UK, cases-wise and deaths-wise. But one of the things that I was excited about when I got out here, because previously in the UK, cinemas had remained open. So when I got out here, I saw that cinemas were open, and I looked, and I didn't want to... Even if it's deemed safe, I'm not comfortable going to a cinema in the evening, because there will be other people there <laughs> essentially a lot of you will know i prefer daytime cinema anyway so just aesthetically i would prefer that but particularly in a pandemic i'm willing to put on a mask and put on a visor and go there in the day when there will either be no one there or one other person there that, that i can sit a whole auditorium away from um so i had a look at all the, the cinemas in the area and what was on in the daytime on like a Monday or a Tuesday. And I saw there was a film called Possessor. 
and it's one of the 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 Cronenbergs. Is it Cronenberg? I've probably got that that wrong as well now. Um, and I thought I'll give that a look. No idea what it is, and what a ride that was! It is the trippiest, weirdest. It's kind of a horror, but it's kind of a existential quandary as such. The basic premise that we get to quite early is that it's a, a, a company has got the ability for their hitmen to temporarily jump in and take over the bodies of people. So, for example, if I wanted Chris of Hardcore Listing killed, I would get the hitman to jump into the body of Stu, and then he would act like Stu until they're alone and private, and then he'd kill him, then he'd leave, and he'd get to a certain a jump point as such and jump out. Now, anyone else making that story would go, this is a fucking action film. <laughs> this is like Tenet or whatever else. This is going to be mad action. You don't know what's going on, but it's going to be intense. But no, they didn't do that here. They made this a real, yeah, an existential quandary. It's about this particular hit person losing their identity and not knowing who they are anymore. And the the process of the jump, leaving a bit of you behind or leaving a bit of that person in you. How many times is it safe to do this? They don't know. It's this weird new technology. But yeah, they are possessors. They jump in and possess a body. Yeah, man, it's fucking cool. On to the next one. Les Miserables. It's not the musical. It's a French film about the French ghettos, I guess. Um, comparisons to Lahaine. Lane would be... Lahaine would be... Um, Lazy but translatable. It's really well done, man. It's about the police and it's about the youth, essentially. Oh no, the the the, the grown-up kind of low-level gangs as well. Um, it's comparable to Lahaine because it's not like it's some mafia, top of the top type crime thing. It's it's the reality of the younger areas of crime, the younger communities who have few options other than crime and the police who are good and bad (laughs) have their good and have their very bad but yeah not too much to to tell you about that i just found it to be an amazing an emotional ride it was another one i managed to catch in a a cinema in the uk at the time it was when things were deemed safe at that point and again, mask up, visor up, hand sanitizer on me at all times. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, next up is another Netflix one. And this was one that I watched early in the pandemic. I watched it at home on my big screen and big sound system. Um, shout out to Chris for setting me up all that stuff. It's called The Platform. And is it Spanish? I think it's Spanish. I loved it. Um, I wasn't sure if it'd make it into the list because I think I wasn't sure if I was just in love with the concept, but I thought they nailed it. You get it early on, it's a prison. It's this weird futuristic prison. And when you're put in there, it's unclear at the start why people are selected and put in there and so on and so forth. But you put in there and you're on this platform. And there's platforms above you and there's platforms below you. And every day at dinner time, there's there's a platform that goes... So there's a gap, there's a hole in the middle of your platform. So you can look down and see there's it's almost endless. And you can look up and see it's almost endless. But there's a hole in the middle. And what comes down on that hole is a, another platform that has f- 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 food on it. And when it starts at the top... It's a feast, a whole feast of food. And the person in the top platform can take as much as they want. 
then the person in the next platform can do the same and so on and so forth but the the idea is there's enough food on there to feed everyone if everyone takes a reasonable amount you know or i think that's that's the idea it might be that there's enough food to feed almost everyone but people panic and people get greedy and people don't know you don't know what pl- platform you're on for example so if you're low you could get bugger all and also the other thing is they change what platform you're on every certain amount of days so again there is that thought of tomorrow i could be on the platform that it gets to and there's there's no food whatsoever so um yeah that's kind of the idea of that and they do it so bloody well i loved it um it's a really clever and intriguing concept it's that that kind of film where you're watching but having to make sure you're paying attention because you're thinking, oh, what would I do? And how would I solve this? And what would the solution be? Um, And there's a bit of that. There is a bit of solving and solution finding. Right, on to the next one. We're at half an hour or so. That's good. We're going to get through this because I want to talk about a few other things as well and give you the full list. The next one is The Vigil. And it's... A Jewish horror film that, again, in the UK, I managed to catch in a private screening. Or No, actually, it was at my local cinema, but once again, my local cinema is in an area that <laughs> isn't, is more about your blockbusters, let's just say. So Tenet probably excited everyone a lot more than The Vigil. So I went to this and there was no one in there, which made it even scarier. And it's about... A young man who is given the job that is a it's 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 a thing in in traditional Jewish religion that when someone dies, someone has to sit with the body on the first night and protect them from 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 demons and whatever else to keep their soul safe and. Where it's normally a family member, if there isn't a family member, there are people who kind of rent themselves out to do this. And as you can imagine, it's a bloody terrifying horror. More horror on on my list this year than any other year. I don't know if that's a reflection on 2020, but yeah. The note I made on this one was, dear God, did they fucking know what they were doing? Like, a lot of the horror comes from just sounds that are just jarring and horrible and uncomfortable. Um, it's amazing. I recommend you watch it in the dark with the sound turned up. Yeah. Throughout, I was just like, they know what they're doing. <laughs> like, everything about it, just it's really nicely done and really aesthetically, as I said, sound-wise, everything. It's just... Ugh. It has you on edge and is uncomfortable. And I don't know if I've caught an awful lot of J- J- Jewish cinema. But yeah, it was amazing. I thought it was fantastic. And the beauty of it being a world I'm not f- f- familiar with was I didn't know any of the actors. So everyone I was meeting as their character. Do you know what I mean by that? I've said I've said a few times, it's why I think... Things like Game of Thrones and The Wire hit you so hard is because they didn't really have any people that you were familiar with b- before that. There's one or two, obviously Sean Bean, Elena Hedy had done stuff, but for so many of them, the first time you're meeting them is these characters, and then you're staying with just them as those characters for so long. But yeah, The Vigil. I think that's one that a lot of you might have missed. So give it a look. Another one that a lot of you might have missed. Another one I caught out here that I hadn't heard of at all. It was, again, it was looking at not what I wanted to see at the cinema, but what was on at times when no one would be there. And again, regardless of if I'm being told governmentally it's safe, I know they do, particularly over here, they do amazing jobs of cleaning every screen and everything in between people visiting. They're all closed again now, now, by the way. It was heartbreaking. But um, 
yeah, I looked, and at the, 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 the cinema opposite me was a film called The Kid Detective. And I was like, all right. And it's it's one of my favourite films of all time is Just Ask for Diamond. And it's a, it's a film about a kid detective. And you had a lot of that in the kind of 80s, early 90s. Kids doing grown-up jobs, your doogie houses, your press gang, your Bugsy Malone. Um, But this is about a kid detective who's grown up. So he's now in his 30s. And as a kid, he solved a load of local crime things and was kind of a minor celebrity. But then he had a case he couldn't help with and it kind of, it crushed him a bit. And now he's in his 30s and he's still taken on cases but he's your more typical not that good um yeah average private eye but it's really good i really liked how it all played out you gotta love kind of a murder mystery type or just a mystery type thing right they're always good fun it's why your pyros and all these other things are are very enjoyable but yeah this was really good because it's not a pyro who's your expert who's going to solve it. But it's also not your kind of police squad. You know, he was genuinely really good as a kid and he just got shook. So you are kind of, he is good. He has got some good approaches, but he's also got, you know, as a kid, people were just telling him he was amazing for everything he came up with. Um, yeah. It's really good fun. I enjoyed it. If you can find it in the UK, then do so. The last of the films... Oh, no. The second from last of the films I've seen in the the cinema. But the last one that I saw out here before the cinema's closed, and I was so pleased to catch it, was Ammonite. I think Francis Lee is a future icon of directing i think he's amazing and ammonite is kate blanchett and Cersei. um i'm forgetting her surname uh, ronan of course and it's amazing um it's an uh, the the reason i mentioned earlier that we'll come come back to these themes when i talked about portrait of a lady on fire it's kind of heartbreaking that it, it, it makes me think of the film Dread, weird comparison, but Dread came out, Dread 3D. It's amazing. It's an amazing film. It got so overlooked, but it came out the same year as The Raid, and they had such similar themes. It was an action in a tower block, and it was a futuristic action in a tower block, and they couldn't, they didn't know the other was happening. Neither ripped each other off. A lot of people, because... Dread came out a few months later said oh they've ripped off the raid it's like mate the raid came out a couple of months ago <laughs> that isn't enough time to write get into production and make a film these this is just they were co-current productions that coincidentally have crossover and it's similar here with portrait of a lady on fire because this is a period piece about a woman who is kind of charged with l- looking after another woman um, and they gradually fall in love. But again, it's it's a frowned upon thing. It's a socially unacceptable thing. But the two lead performances are just, they're monstrous. They're huge, but, but huge in their delicacy and their, their, and their subtlety. Not huge in like a Pacino type way. They're so good and you so believe the journey they take from being very much people who aren't a good fit don't want to be spending time together in any way the believability of their path to love and to passion and the softening of both of them they're both guarded in different ways for different reasons and the way they gradually break each other's guards down rather than a lot in traditional romantic films that there's one that's kind of chasing the the tough stone stony person down that's terrible i don't know what words i'm meaning but yeah the tough skinned person i guess 
one that's trying to break them down. They're both. Neither of them are chasing this. Neither of them want this to happen. But the way their their guard is eroded concurrently is beautiful. Yeah, it's a wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. And Francis Lee just continues now. I believe it's only his, his second film, and he continues to uh, to just show that sheer. Quality it makes me think of previous guest Robert Eggers, who's done like two films, and they're both just done in his third film. Looks to be another step up. It's exciting to have these filmmakers that just have such a strong vision. I remember when I had Boots Riley on the podcast, I asked him about how did he manage to get to make Sorry to Bother You as his debut. Because it's so out there. You'd normally, you might get that much leniency after your first, you've proved yourself a couple of times. And his answer was simply that because he didn't want to make films, he wanted to make that film. That was the goal. So there wasn't any other option. And I feel that with people like Francis Lee and people like Robert Eggers, they've got such strong visions. And the the Safdie brothers, They've got such strong visions of what they want to make. I mean, the less boundaries in their way, the better, I'm telling you. And it's why, again, I mean, we'll get on to it now. I think the cinema is hugely important. And I think films are hugely important. And these are money industries, but they shouldn't be. They're, 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 they're money industries that are secretly driven by art. And I think it's really important that we protect them because I was hugely excited when, as an example, Disney announced 10 new Star Wars series in development. I'm a fan of The Mandalorian. I'm a fan of all this stuff. And as an actor, that tells me there's 10 full cast lists (laughs) for me to, to aim for. But then as it sunk in, it made me sad as well because it's realising that there's been a big pivot in reaction to the pandemic where we've lost all these cinema releases. We've no idea when cinema releases are going to be coming back. So there's been a big pivot from the money people to TV, not from the art people. Now, I love TV as well. I think artistically it's amazing to get to tell stories and characters over this extended period. Um... As an actor, that's hugely exciting, but that's when it's done as an artistic choice. When it's been done because they've gone, oh, the cinemas are fucked. There's no money in films now. And that's a bad thing, man, because films are hugely important. These small individual stories that aren't part of a franchise, that aren't part of a massive, ongoing, never-ending thing. It's... uh, it's important and it was already important me and Simon Pegg talked about this because blockbusters your Marvels and your DCs which I'm going to talk about at the end as well your Marvels and your DCs have meant that there's why take risks in films you know you make one of these big blockbusters and you know pandemics aside it'll do its money more often than not but yeah, the, the it, it, independent film is hugely important. It's why it scares me of what the future is. But it's why it's important. There's people like Francis Lee, like Robert Eggers, like the, the Safties, like Nick Rowland, um, like so many others making amazing things. And it's important for us to go to get out and support them with our money you know, in any way we can. Anyway, we're almost at the hour mark. I've got four more to do. I keep going on little walks because I'm, I stopped on a path and people keep going past and I don't want to look like a weirdo. Even though I am very much a weirdo. Next up, this had to be on there, man. It's Rocks. It's on Netflix and it's a bloody joy. It's a cast of young girls in London... Um, and they're at school, and it's their story of... It's the story of a young girl, Rox, um, who 
is in a, sh- a shit situation. Her mum, this happens early on. Her mum essentially walks out on her and her little brother and it's her trying to hold shit together. But it's also, it's done so realistically as well, man, because it's not like she's some unrealistic film character who just pulls everything together and and hustles and makes it work. Um, she struggles and she goes into d- denial on certain things, but it's amazingly done. All the performances, um, we get to see numerous different cultures in London, which is a beautiful thing. Um, it's one of the best things about London is that we've got so many different cultures and lifestyles and religions. Again, the dumb, the dumb racists say, um, and what's the thing uh, when you've got to integrate integration, you've got to integrate into our society. Fuck off. We've got our society. If, 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 if we didn't have influence from other places, we'd all be eating bloody potatoes and bread. Oh, potatoes and bread are great, though. Fair play. Um, and have boring clothes and boring music. The beauty of the multicultural nature of our country, and London in particular, is n- not integration. Is the the space for different cultures to thrive and for us to 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 take the the best from those cultures not take and steal but to take and absorb and dip into when it's you know culturally acceptable to a culturally acceptable extent and yeah this film just shows the, the the melting pot of london and london schools and every character is just so good and they're so young and so talented and I wanted to be their mates. Um, yeah. Next up, we've got three left. Next up is Tenet. Now, I've purposely not mentioned this yet because it's such a... There's so many film fans I know that adore it and so many film fans I know that hate it. I had a fucking great time, lads. Um, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I watched it in an IMAX. Again, the beauty of this was because I was having... Himish Patel on the podcast I got to go to a preview screening so it was ultra safe ultra empty fucking huge screen Um, and it was a hell of a ride man I think Nolan is another one who's he's unparalleled in these the problem with Nolan is he's too he's sometimes too highbrow for the mainstream but nowhere near highbrow enough for the non-mainstream. <laughs> so a lot of mainstream audiences think, oh, this is far too clever and far too confusing. And a lot of alternative kind of who are into more more, more highbrow and more intricate stuff going, this isn't that clever at all. This doesn't even make sense. Here's all the mistakes he made. But um, fuck all of them. <laughs> I think he's amazing, and I think this was just, ah, oh, just as an action film, it was just a ride. It was an experience. But then I loved the kind of twists and turn of trying to get your head round time travel. And the fact is, you're not going to make a film with time traveling that actually works, because otherwise, we would be able to time travel. <laughs> You fucking idiots. People are like, well, actually, that technically, that wouldn't work because this, this, this. It's like, yeah, that's why we can't time travel. Sit down and enjoy the film. Eat your popcorn and shut up. Um, but, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I'm the nerd on it being on the list because there's, as, as I've just spoken, independent films. There's so many independent films I want to champion. There's a few films. 1917 was one that could have been on the list, but I thought, man... That was huge. Everyone knew about it. It doesn't need an extra voice. So it will probably... There's other films that will benefit from the the five minutes I chat about it on here and the small audience that might listen and might give it a look. Um, but then it occurred to me, again, that's obviously the same with Tenet, but equally, it's been a film where we've l- l- lost all our blockbusters. 
We've not got the Bond film, whether you're a Bond fan or not. We've not got Black Widow. I was hugely excited about that. There's so many good films that we've missed that have been pushed back and we don't know what's happening. In fact, a film that I'm in that's this huge blockbuster that was meant to come out in October that I've not been able to tell anyone I'm in yet because it's not announced. It's now coming out next year. (laughs) So it's like, not only should it have been out and I should have seen it by now, I should have been able to let you guys know that I'm in it. But yeah, that's why I felt Tenet still deserves to be on the list, despite maybe going, well, here's stuff that needs, needs, needs the rub more. Next up, there's two more, and then I want to talk to you about Mignons, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, and I want to talk to you about DC and Marvel. The Devil All the Time. This is on Netflix. I saw it, I'd, I'd, I'd heard about it, it was on its way for a long time, and it's got one of the Skarsgårds, all of them are great. It's got Robert P- P- Pattinson, who I think is one of our, like, like one of the greats of our time. I think he's so underrated because of Twilight. People don't realise how amazing he is. And Tom Holland, who I also think is is just starting to to flex. So, so, so I saw this was coming out. It's got a load of other amazing people in. I saw this was coming out. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And then it came out to seemingly no fanfare. Like it's on Netflix. And on the week it came out, I had to search for it to find it. I had to type in the devil all the... T- it wasn't like just there, as normally their big new releases. It's just rammed in your face constantly. So I thought, oh, it must be shit. <laughs> it must be not... Because that, that cast is amazing. I thought, oh, it must be rubbish. And then I watched it, and I bloody adored it from beginning to end. I thought the way the stories unfolded was wonderful it's got a bit of a place between the pines vibe in the kind of there's separate stories that also aren't separate but are in some places and yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was cracking so i wanted to definitely get that in here that was one of the ones that was battling at the end of the year for if it was going to be in in fact it's the one i went to mention earlier because on my list it's still got a one star I need to go and give that it's it's, it's, it's a second star now before I screenshot because when I do do the post about this I will also share the full list and the full list is also the order in which I watch them so last up the last new film I watched of this year and it made it into the list oh no was there another one I watched I might have watched another hang on let me have a look no this was the last new film of this year that I watched this year The Life Ahead it's another one on Netflix Sophia Loren the icon the legend amazingly playing a retired full service sex worker referred to by herself in this and by all the characters as, as a retired prostitute who kind of looks after the kids of current working pr- prostitutes and she takes on this kid who's 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 not he's just an orphan she takes on this kid who's been a bit of tr- of, tr- of trouble and it's all about their relationship she's very hard-nosed she plays it she's so good but the young lad in it possibly is even better and he's a kid and it's amazing. But yeah, that's my last that's my last film on the list. I recommend it. It's on Netflix, I think I mentioned. And Sophia Loren, I'll I'll be real with you, I kind of I assume she was probably dead. That, I mean I you just assume with these kind of old time screen icons, if you've not heard from them in a while, then that's the reason. But yeah, it's amazing. It's really good. Let's wrap things up. I'll end properly on on reading the full list. But before we get there, Mignonis or whatever it's called, the reason it's on the list as that is because it's the the British name or the English speaking name is Cuties, um, and it almost made 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 my list. And you know what? It maybe didn't make the list because I didn't want the fucking shitstorm online. 
QT's got a lot of controversy this year, and there was protests to have it taken off Netflix because the trailer that was made for it was essentially soft core child pornography. And the trailer was absolute nonsense. It was a, yeah, it was exactly that. It was clearly sexualizing children. I don't know who came up with the trailer. It was just a bad idea. But it meant that loads of people were angry about a film that they hadn't seen. And I had heard, I saw all the furore, I saw the trailer and thought, fucking hell, what the fuck? This is some bullshit. But then I actually caught glimpse of a few reviews that when the film had originally come out or initially come out before the Netflix push and it got really good reviews. People were saying it's an amazing film. So I thought I need to watch this and I watched it and it fucking is an amazing film. It's telling a story of young girls in France and it hits so many amazing levels because it's 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 got your kind of school your cool girls you're not cool girls and so on and so forth but it's also got this beautiful modern take because they're they're a dance group they're called the cuties they called themselves the cuties and the dancing is one thing but then a new member joins and she's got a mobile phone and it's fascinating because they're 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 learning dances that are far too adult, but they're not realising the context of them, if that makes sense. And it's some beautiful commentary there. Like, there's some really mind-blowing commentary and questions thrown up on the sexualization of adults in childlike poses or actions or clothes. And, you know, you think of school uniforms are often used in a in a sexual way. And again, I'm not kink-shaming here at all. I understand it, I think. I think the point is that we're not emulating a child where the, the, the sexual part of it is it's a grown-up in a uniform or outfit or whatever that isn't f- fitting for them. Not, not physically fitting, but isn't there. So it's the same as a nun, a sexy nun, or a sexy nurse. It's, it's no different from that. It's not the fetishization of nurses or nuns or schoolgirls, fucking thank God. It's the, it's the juxtaposition of these things. But it's a, it's a fucking weird topic. And this highlights it really well because there's points where, like, there's, there's, there's loads of th- things as well in, that's become s- s- sexual in recent years or acceptably sexual in porn and stuff where there'll be certain looks or like an inquisitive kind of an innocent finger in the side of the mouth type thing or a biting of the finger or whatever I was doing it that is if you can can see me is 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 sexual and what was fascinating I found in this was young children emulating grown-ups emulating young children then seemed completely inappropriate and weird and fa- but didn't seem like young children it wasn't the version of youth and innocence that is this is a really weird one to get into it's why i didn't want to post about it because i was like look i can't be, there's no nuance on social media on the podcast there can be a discussion about it and again not not one that i've solved it's there's a reason it didn't get in there because even arguments and drama aside i don't think they quite nailed it as a film i don't think they quite made their point clear enough therefore the really tight line that they walked they needed a bit more clarity on the reason for it because again the fact is the trailer was made up of stuff that was shot so this trailer looks like softcore child pornography that's what they fucking shot man but in the context of the film, again, there's an innocence and there's a... And again, it, like, in the film, it backfires. Like, they, they, the, the fact that they're learning all of this stuff that is overtly sexual, not realising it's sexual, they're just realising that they're just watching twerking or whatever else and not knowing that there's a sexual side to it. So they're learning all of this. And again, the payoff in this is that when it finally gets to their big moment it gets a negative reaction 
that there's also amazing stories again of cultures of of a difference in cultures and and and, and innocent coming from a, an african culture coming into a western culture that there's more acceptable kind of weird lines being crossed and pushed all the time um yeah i thought it was a, a I, I really enjoyed it as a film but i thought number one if i put cuties on that picture that i put on instagram i'm gonna have a load of people going fucking pedo and also i said it I, uh, there was a point where i was like well that shouldn't be why i'm choosing this i shouldn't be shying away if i believe this is in my top 16 it should be in there anyway and to be honest it just missed out i think because as said there was a there was a line i went into there ready to be non-judgmental not to jump on it and accuse and go this is bullshit yet there were still points where i was like no this is a bit much man i know again because again the idea is that the inappropriateness is put on by society rather than by the individuals and and also the other thing i i I realized when watching it was that no matter what dances you get small children to do i'm not going to find it sexy or or arousing or erotic so it kind of again i think it's why i didn't find it so offensive however that isn't a valid argument. That's kind of saying, well, if you found it inappropriate, then you're the pervert. What we can't be doing in this society is m- m- making stuff for those that would find that kind of... We shouldn't be supplying mediums, media, for those that would find that kind of thing sexy. So that's, again, I just wanted to kind of... It's something that occurred to me halfway through, and then I thought, well, that's not actually a valid argument, though, just because I'm not... <laughs> into that doesn't mean we should be providing that but as i've said it's a very complex subject that i think the film presents beautifully but maybe didn't quite nail enough to be in the films of the year list um i also wanted to quickly touch upon i've not watched wonder woman yet um and the reason is you've got to pay loads of money for it and everyone keeps saying it's shit and i wanted to quickly touch upon marvel and dc because <laughs> it feels like with Marvel, a lot of people got annoyed towards the end of your Endgame era. Your th- was that three third thingy? Um, when we got to the end of that, a lot of people were like, "It's just all the same film, though, isn't it? They they just make the same film over and over again." And I get that, but. At least it's a fucking good film. <laughs> the problem appears to be with Marvel, you get the same film over and over again, but it's a fucking good film, man. It's really enjoyable. And with DC, you get a different film each time. And it might be brilliant, but it might be fucking dog shit. Birds of Prey was cracking. Suicide Squad, shocking. Justice League, which is being remade, and I've no interest in a remake. I, th- I thought Justice League was all right, to be honest, but I've no interest in fucking it being turned into a, f- a full series. I think that's absolutely bonkers. But fair, fair play, you, you go for it, son. But yeah, I think that's interesting with Marvel and DC. As said, you, you've 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 got a choice. Marvel will tend to do quite a similar thing, but they've got a good system dc seem a little bit more scrambled and a little bit more oh let's make this quick what's going on okay we'll do that okay all right and it might be it might cause genius or it might cause absolute dog shit but i'm I'm still going to watch wonder woman at some point the other reason i've not seen it is i love watching all those superhero films in the cinema man that's where they're meant to be seen i even saw suicide squad in the cinema so yeah there we go. That's my f- f- films of the year list, guys. Just to quickly recap, if you didn't write it down but want to. Um, also, I'll tell you now, I'm going to do a little bonus podcast for you. Um, so anyway, just quickly. Calm with Horses, Baby Teeth, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Palm Springs, Host, AK versus AK, Possessor, Les Miserables, 
the platform, the visual, the kid detective, Ammonite, rocks, tenet, the devil all the time, and the life ahead. I'm going to do a bonus episode for you on Friday. It's going to be mini, but a lot of you will have seen. Because of the situation we're in, I slung out a, a TV shows of the year post on social media. And a few people said, I'd love to hear a podcast of this. So I thought, as a bonus, the films of the year is the main one. But as a bonus, I'll do a little, I'll run through the the 16 I, I, I did there. But it'll be a lot shorter anyway here are the new release films i saw this year in order jojo rabbit just mercy little joe calm with horses the gentleman jumanji 2 jumanji harder 1917 color out of space parasite bad boys for no reason birds of prey queen and slim greed peanut butter falcon the invisible man that should have nearly been on the list you know portrait of a lady on fire sorry we missed you the hunt the platform richard jewel defy of bloods get duked which changed its name i think greyhound the true story of the kelly gang baby teeth hamilton first love how to build a girl boiling point sea fever unhinged 4dx proxima eurovision the vigil oh i've got a stutter savage project power the hater an american pickle host tenet i made this for you i'm thinking of ending things new mutants les miserables saint maud the assistant bill and ted face the music clemency mogul mowgli hashtag alive the devil all the time the liar possessor save yourselves nocturne rebecca trial of the chicago seven borat two cuties the 40 year old version his house kid detective archive ammonite baby done mank rocks soul on the rocks lost girls horse girl the boys in the band anola holmes palm springs ak versus ak and the life ahead i really i rammed them in as, as as well as we were getting towards the end of the year and i was sitting around doing nothing but thank you for tuning in guys it's been a pleasure as ever i will post this this list at some point but it won't be this week hope you enjoyed it and i hope you watch loads of really good films man because films are important um to me and i'd imagine if you're listening to this they're important to you stay safe stay sexy stay hard bye ta-ta You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces.